All right. So first of all, you you made me very nervous about this entire process. <laughs> Sorry. Listen, <laughs> I, I got my concerns. Okay, I got my concerns. Um, my 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 concern was that you were going to overthink it. And it was going to be like um, absolutely, you, you know, like a. Uh, I don't know, Oprah and Gail and they bring out somebody and like it's, you know, they fucking try to trap people into like admission. Who's Oprah? Who's Oprah and who's Gail in this scenario? You Oprah, right? You'll be Oprah. You're Oprah. You'll be Oprah. I'm going to be honest with you. I'd fuck the shit out of Oprah if I I had the opportunity. Not so much Gail. At the same time. (laughs) No. Gail, Gail look like... Listen, bro, listen, I don't turn down nothing but my collar. Gail will get it. Gail will get it on a good night. This episode of Peace Talk Podcast is brought to you by Ruby Ribbon. But more specifically, one of my best friends who sells the product, she got uh, completely into it and it changed her life. And so she started changing other people's lives. And I think that is incredible. Uh, Ruby Ribbon is a three-in-one solution to an everyday problem, the underwire bra. So women who are out there that hate your bra, uh, don't like your bra, you guys are having issues and problems and you break up every week. <laughs> like, uh, this is a this is a solution. You can get comfortable everyday shapewear that can also be worn as outerwear. Uh, it, it, it's, it's, it, it actually takes one, three inches off your waist. This is like a seven-second tummy tug. And it's for every woman of all different sizes. So big, small, big boobs, small boobs. They have you covered. Uh, What's pretty incredible is my mother bought it. My wife bought it. A lot of my best friends bought it. And at first, to be honest, they, they buy it to support, right? Like, hey, I'm selling a new product. Can you buy it and support? But they bought it. And they absolutely love it. And it's changing their lives and it's changed a lot of women's lives. And if you are interested in having your life change and, and wearing a bra and, and you know, a fitting that, that works a lot better than probably what you have, please uh, reach out to her. Uh, <laughs> it's www.myshamama. That's M-Y-S-H-E-M-A-M-A dot com. Tell her they sent you and uh, she'll take great care of you. They'll help with sizing and everything else. So uh, check it out. Let me know how it goes. And uh, good luck, ladies. Check her out. Uh, First off, I just wanted to say how proud of you I am. Uh, Bro, it's, it's good to see everything happen for you. You know, the kids. You know, you got some beautiful kids. You married now. Thank you. You're definitely, uh, you're definitely a role model for the men that need to get it together. So, hats oh. off to you, sir. I see, I see you. You know, I, salute. I like the way we start off. I first of all, I very much appreciate that. Um, and and it means a lot coming from the source. I look at your work ethic and your drive and determination. I think that's that's something that maybe doesn't get talked about a lot and maybe that's probably the best place to start. So, uh, first of all, go ahead and introduce yourself to the audience because one of the things that I wanted to do, uh, more, more specifically with the last few episodes was get more vulnerable and talk to family and, and, you know, people that share the same last name and people that come from where we come from. And so I thought it would be kind of a good mix to have you in that, in that, that lineup. So, uh, who are you? And, uh, we'll start there. Well, um, I am your cousin. I am your, uh, <laughs> older cousin. And my name, my name is Arthur. 
Arthur David Newsom III, but on my birth certificate, it says Arthur David Peace. Uh, for some reason, dad didn't sign the birth certificate. So shout out to dad. <laughs> um, I, ne- I but, never knew that. I never knew that. But yeah, but it's it was difficult for us, you and I. You know, our our mothers were young. They were, you know, melanated queens. You know, we, we came up in the inner city of Detroit that, you know, crack era. You know, uh, the Reagan at the Reagan war on drugs era like that, that decimated, you know, uh, self-esteem, identity, you know. So uh, I think that we all felt that because who knew what our moms were going through. But to be so young and, you know, navigate that like that was the Rick James cocaine era. You know, it looked fun, but I mean, you know, it, it, it didn't didn't wind up well for anybody. When you were younger, what did you want to be when you grew up? All right. So I either wanted to be a when I was like kindergarten age, like five, I wanted to be an astronaut and I drew rockets everywhere. Rockets, rockets, rockets. But it was a phallic symbol. So I was probably low key drawing a dick. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but then oh, uh, dick like drawer. School, <laughs> yeah. You know, just, you know, I had to express myself. But um, <laughs> but uh, but I think I wanted to be a paleontologist like around middle school paleontologist is a person who uh, studies fossils and of dinosaurs and all that. And um, geez, man, I think I wanted, you know, then it was an attorney and, you know, then uh, it was a basketball player in high school, then a golf player when Tiger Woods was big in 96, close to 2000. Cause uh, we had a cousin, David, uh, my father's sister's son, he got killed in 2000 and that killed me so that uh, it really didn't, it was rough, man. It was rough for me. I kind of lost my identity around like middle school because I, I think that I didn't like who I was. I didn't like my circumstances. I didn't like my, uh, you know, my, my social standing, you know, the, uh, the alienation that I had from, you know, some, you know, my mom, because your mother's sister, you know, like we, for us to be that close in kinship, we really were like, it's like we went to the same high school, you feel me? Mm-hmm. And, and, and it was unfortunate because we really didn't see that much of each other. So, um, you know, it was, I was kind of like a, a shadow, you know, I was in and out, you know, I was on the fringes. And that really did something for my identity and for my self-esteem. So around middle school, I think I wanted to be a class clown. You know, it wasn't like a, a vocation or a career. It was more like I want people to like me, you know, and it was it was a desperate attempt because, you know, uh, because of the crack epidemic, because of our social standings of being melanated, uh, uh, vilified folk. And certain socioeconomic, political, geo ideologies, isms, schisms, and whatnot, you know, it, it affected us all, you know, all generation, you know. And then our grandmother, Ida, rest in peace, grandma, you know, she came from rural Alabama and she was, she was meaner than a hot 38 special, bro. But yeah. there was a reason for that, you know, <laughs> who, who knows what she had to go through, you know, because grandma, you know, she didn't like a certain shade of folk. No, she did know? not. She was not at all. Well, she she is probably the the up until that point, you know, being a young 
boy, she was probably the most dark complexion woman or maybe even black person that I knew um, yeah. for yeah. probably a good percentage of my my childhood or just growing up in elementary. So, yeah, she she was she was hard and she was harsh. Hey, it was. But what's unfortunate is how she is, how we express that pain growing mm-hmm. up in rural Alabama and Jim Crow South. You know, I remember I remember one time I heard her call my little sister Edwanda, uh, called her a pickaninny or something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's amazing, you know, and then unfortunately, and then even in our family dynamics, you know, you have, a, you know, lighter shades, which, you know, me, and we all have different fathers. So of course mm-hmm. we don't be different, mm-hmm. you know, but uh, even from my, my siblings, you know, we have lighter and darker shades. And, you know, I think that for, unfortunately, my my little sister that affected her self esteem. Oh, so definitely. It's amazing how, you know, because it you know there's a lot of you know there may be some resentment because you look a certain way, and mm-hmm. it's 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 um it's something to overcome, bro. It really yeah. is, but it it does definitely make an interesting nuance and interesting little you know a, a little tinge on top. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, no colorism has has always been rooted in the black community. <clears throat> what, what's been sad is how we've used it against one another. It's kind we of weaponized uh, it. Weaponized yeah, it definitely. We, we uh, it's kind of like the Martin, you know, Gina Pam conversation where you know it was it was ideal that if you were you know attractive in that you know different world, like if you, in those sitcom worlds, lighter complexion women. If you were black, were more attractive than dark complexion, and that that should have never been the case. Like that should have never been a, a thing, but we sort of we sort of allowed it. So I'm yeah. glad you brought that up. And you you talked about paleontology. My favorite show is, is Friends. Believe it or not. And oh favorite, come on, Ross. My favorite what? character is Ross. <laughs> oh jeez, jeez. Um, yes, yeah, so I I think I I might be guilty. Oh, go ahead. No, what I was what I was about to say. Oh, that was Siri. She CIA listening. Bro. They know you fire. They know you fire, cousin. Yeah, they were they, kicking the door. Yeah, let's let's listen to some more of that. Nigga. What what was one of your favorite shows growing up, and what's one of your favorite shows now? Really, growing up, the Wonder Years. You know, yeah, the Wonder Years was like that was great television. That was terrific television, and that was something. Um, yeah, bro. Like it's it was it impacted my childhood and my adolescence just because you saw like it changes, you know, it's, um, but it was beautifully done, bro. Like the music, the era, you know, um, the, the narration, what was that dude's name from, from home alone too? Hey, we, uh, <laughs> Marv, Marv. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Marv. Hey, whoever the Marv, we just gonna call him Marv. You know who it is. Yeah. You know who it is. <laughs> He's a yeah. he's great. <laughs> um, but really, one of my favorite shows now. Um, we're in a different era. It's not really the sitcom era. We're in a in a digital diet era, so it's quick bits. But um, you know, top three, Sopranos, of course. I rewatch that all the time. Really? You know? Okay. But it it's comforting though. You know what I mean? Like it it's comforting. It's well written. I catch different things like camera angles, close-ups, right, right. like nuances and stuff. So, um, and then the last of us is on. Uh, it's based on the video game. That's mm-hmm. actually it's really well written and um, 
bro. It's it's beautiful. But it's zombie apocalypse, and it's like I'm like it's it's gonna happen anyway. I might as well get ready. You know, zombies <laughs> is coming next. It's either listen, it's either zombies, Jesus, or aliens. I'm ready for all three of them. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So the reason why I brought up, hey, what did you want to be when you when you grew up? There was something that happened a few years ago that sort of drove you to getting in front of people and making them laugh and then pursuing a career with acting and, and modeling. Uh, you're an attractive yes. man. I can say that. Uh, Thank what, you, cousin. What, what was that? What was that switch? Like, what was that moment? If you can remember that said, hey, I think I want to start doing this, that and the other. All right. So it was. Um... It was early 2018 and I was still in Michigan and I was feeling restless. I was just getting off of probation for, you know, something stupid. And, you know, I wanted to move to LA and just said, forget it. I just want to move to LA. I went out to visit uh, a friend of mine from the army, uh, Cooper. Love that dude. He's like a brother. And, you know, it was a chill, you know, 10 days. I just couldn't stand the traffic. And I was like, <laughs> Bro, it's 40, it's 40 minutes to go 10 minutes up to, to, you know what I'm saying? It's like, you could, bro, there are people in the little Heelys that are just scooting by faster than you are. And it's, I couldn't do it. So, um, you know, I was talking to my brother, Don, and you actually interviewed him and, uh, shout out to Don. Yeah. Yeah. We all in this. And, um, you know, and I was talking to Don and I said, you know what, based on, me being in the barbershop and I had them all rolling, you know, every week I had them rolling. He was, Oh, you should be a comedian. And so, you know, I was like, Don, everybody wants to be a rapper. Everybody wants to do the easy thing. They want to, they, they want to do what everyone else is doing because it's proven, mm-hmm. you know, back in the, back in the day, everybody wanted to be a boxer, you know, uh, every, you know, just different locales. Everybody wants to, you know, play soccer and all these, these things. It mm-hmm. was, it's an exotic very lucrative, proven uh, point to get, um, you know, a lot of money. And I told my brother, Don, I said, you know, there's nobody lining up to make a fool of themselves on stage. So I figured that this whole comedy thing, the stand-up thing, it's kind of like a backdoor pause. It's kind of like a backdoor <laughs> into, <laughs> it's kind of like a backdoor into fame. Because no one wants to do this. No one wants to make a fool of themselves. And shout out to all the, um, no shade, but there's a big difference between stand-up and skits. And I want that humiliation. I want somebody uh, to just tell me that I'm not funny, you know, because it'll make me, you know, change my approach, change my content, you know, look at myself a little deeper. And that's the good thing about comics is comics don't really care about anything but themselves mm-hmm. and how the world affects them. And it's, it's very profound. If a, if a person's articulate, like uh Chappelle, you know, he's so articulate that you can feel that. Like, yeah. So, um, but I moved down to Louisville, Kentucky and it's, it's a beautiful city, man. It's a uh, bourbon capital of the world, the uh, alcoholic uh, Disney world. 
you're more than welcome to visit. Um, you know, it's, 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 it's a wonderful place and it's very artsy down here. So I was blessed enough to, uh, get a second job and that was right around the time that, uh, you know, I was dating somebody, we broke up going through a rough patch. I was upset with everything. I hated myself, you know, and Nipsey Hussle got killed, you know? And the first thing I said, I was like, damn, they killed the king. Like, and then the second thing I said is like, if they can kill him, they kill me. And it's Nipsey Hustle, bro. You know what I mean? Like, it blew my mind, and I tear up just thinking about it. But I, you know, I remember uh, listening to his very first album. I remember talking to my brother Don and saying, uh, "Mailbox Money." When he was charging a thousand dollars for a copy, I was like, "That ain't gonna sell." No, he ain't gonna do it. <laughs> I was a hater. I was a hater. You know, you know, and I was like, no, he ain't going to do it. Then I got the, I I read the news, you know, he sold out, you know, and I was like, oh my God, he did it. This guy, this guy knows something. Right. And, and I think that that was, that was really what made me, what made me kind of start listening and start following the program and stop being so stubborn and fighting everything, you know, oh, I don't want to do this. So I'm going to jump off and. Now I'm gonna go to school. I was going to school for to be a special uh, to be an educator for um, elementary school kids for a special need. You know, <laughs> I went to Eastern, got my bachelor's, and I was unfulfilled. Okay. You know, and and I was like, man, I gotta create something. Right. Com- comedy being, you know, comedy is the best way to create an opportunity. You know, and unfortunately, with Nipsey passing, it made me. Stop wasting time. I and love that. I was I was blessed to uh, be befriended by the worst good people that you could ever meet down here. <laughs> oh, shout, wow. out to, shout out to the mob. Gotcha. And, you know, <laughs> and, um, and you know, my friend, he said, you know, you're way too handsome. You know, pause. You're way too handsome. You need to be. You need to be an actor. You need a model. Or something you need to do something because rapping nah that's not your thing so he pointed me right to where i needed to go i did everything that he suggested and it took me eight months you know i put in the pictures and they're like nope send some better ones i linked up with a, a local louisville um local louisville uh, photographer dark heart creative i believe was his, is his moniker and got some pictures sent them into the talent agency Eight months later, I'm waiting, you know, going to comedy shows, doing open mics, busting my home. And then, you know, I got the letter and they started representing me. And I was like, oh, whoa, you know, and now we begin, you know, and that changed my perception on a lot of things because I was working hard to get to this point to get accepted by this talent agency, reputable talent agency. Like there ain't no black leather couches when I show up for a job, dog, Mm. you know. And and it's it's legit. I remember the first time I showed up to a a job that they booked for me. You know, it was lunchtime. I'm sitting up here picking, you know, picking sandwiches, picking sodas. You know, they got uh, Pellegrino that, uh, <laughs> you know, bro. It's it's not even an orange. You know, it's a it's not even an orange. It's like a tangerine. You know, mm. it's got like accents in it. You know, special real life fruit, no artificial flavor. You know, they got uh 
fish tanks in the background. And then I'm like, where's the cash register? And they said, no, you don't pay for anything here. It's like, oh, mm. okay. Um, I was showing up to a job and I was trying to help the lighting guy. You know, lighting guys bringing in some stuff, camera guys bringing in some stuff. And I'm like, hey, you guys need some help? And he's like, you're the talent. You need to stay fresh. Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. But it's, it's, a, um, it's a different language. It's a different language out there. It's vindicating, man. You know, mm. it's vindicating because the, the, the hurt uh, sixth grader that wanted people to like him that was weird and couldn't make friends, you know, like he's happy for me now, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that that's the, uh, that's the beautiful thing. And it's just the beginning, you know, mm. like there's a lot more work to do. Yeah. You know, now I got to go to acting class, you know, yeah. all that. But it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing. You know, now it's, it's, it's different. The trajectory's changed. Mm-hmm. You know, now there's hope there because, mm-hmm. you know, a shot went up this, this whole time I was a loser. You know what I mean? Like, not for real. You know, mom didn't love me, you know, raised by a senile loving grandparent on a farm. Uh, you know, dad was smart and had resources, but was cheap and very cold and, you know, mm-hmm. and despite all that, the shot went in. Mm-hmm. You feel me? Yeah. All those, all those hands that I had in my face. Right. You know what I mean? Like those hands in my face that were trying to distract me after the shot went in, turned into high fives. But we good now. How how did the relationship with your father shape the relationship that you have now being a father? Because you there, I think we both are. Well, I'm a huge Royce the Five Nine fan. I'm, I th- believe you are. But if not, yes, yeah, of course, song, Uncle Royce. That song, Cocaine, was just just a. It's a beautiful song. Um, yes, I, I remember either us talking about it or on Facebook talking about it, and it seemed to have resonated with you because if if I'm jealous of any type of relationship, it's probably the man man relationship between father and son. Um, I, I don't know that one um, very well as far as people that come before me. And I hadn't seen great examples of fathers uh, up close and personal. They were always sort of my friends had them. And then I became a father and, you know, that that sort of opened doors. But w- like, what was that relationship and how did it shape you to become an, uh, a father yourself? I mean, my dad, man, he's a genius. You know, he's um, he's an engineer, product manager, like a real badass, like want to be CIA prepper, you know, um, <laughs> for real. You know, for I remember uh, one birthday, he gave me some wool socks, you know, gave me some wool socks just in case. Just in case what, bro? Just in case you need to drag the water out and then dig a hole. <laughs> oh, OK. You know um preparation but yeah absolutely <laughs> but he was he was smart man he was smart and as he's lighter than i am lighter complected and he looks more european because you had his mother my grandmother is hungarian so he was you know half and half he was born in 61 he was telling me stories how he got chased down and got beat up for mlk getting shot you know wow and yeah, so that it changed him because my father, he was 
you know, he was he was just anti. He was anti um, that anti element, you know. The uh, listen, I'm just gonna say it, the nigga element, you know. And I think that that kind of made me look at both sides of the fence. Mm. It's like, okay, I, I feel I feel what you're saying for this, and I feel what you're saying for this, but mm, do we have to? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I understand. I think you sort of have to. Uh, or at least I, I'll speak for my own experience. You know, my wife is white and, you know, my kids are mixed and you have to sort of navigate through where you come from to where you are, where you want to be. And mm-hmm. I think it, it, it should challenge you or should cha- challenge anybody to, to, to look further than what you know, and then start to develop and make your own decisions. So I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. I think that's very fascinating, but keep going. But without my father, my father introduced me to, you know, the different side of of things. You know, we all have a rich dad. We all have a poor dad. You know, my poor dad was my Uncle Jesse, you know, but my rich dad was he was just rich in knowledge. You know, my my poor dad, he wasn't poor because of his means because, you know, Uncle Jesse used to rock more chains than Mr. T, you know, (laughs) for real. I blew a right hand. But my father, he it was an alternative view. And he got that from his father. You know, I'm Arthur the Third. My father's Arthur Jr. He got it from Arthur Sr., a very um, capable man. You know, actually, mm-hmm. Arthur Sr., uh, he was no nonsense, you know, very cut and dry. As a matter of fact, he cut off his brother's finger because he kept on playing on the chopping block. He's like, don't play around. His brother played around. And, you know, he lost one, but it's all good. Fuck around and find <laughs> out. <laughs> all right all right but um dad introduced me to the other side of things and i think that me having my father's influence and my father's um intelligence mannerism is what alienated me from my mom's side Mm. and that is you know and that oh well you're white just because you talk like this and because you know you want to be a paleontologist who wants to be a paleontologist you know um but it's it, it did something, you know. It uh, it it showed me the veil very early, you know. It, it showed me that there's more than what we see. Like it showed a game, you know. Like we we really play around. And my father was very honest, and I get a lot of good things from him, you know. But he shaped my relationship with my daughter. You know, keep in mind, I haven't seen my daughter since 2007 in person. Because of the relationship that I had with her mother. And mm. that's a whole nother, you know, cycle that I'm repeating mm. uh, unbeknownst to me. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You know, so that's a, a cycle. The The relationship I have with my daughter is akin to the relationship I have with my mother. Mm-hmm. And it's it it feels like I feel defeated, bro. You know, like my daughter won't talk to me. And don't don't get me wrong. Like. I was a horrible husband, but I was a wonderful father, mm. but I, I don't deserve 
for uh, her to be taken away and kept away and isolated mm -hmm. and alienated. Jeez, 2007, what's that, 15 years? Jeez, she'll be 17 yeah. February 25th, bro. I haven't seen her since she was like two and a half. Wow. And it makes, it makes me want to cry. But what my father tells me is, you know, um, no matter what, don't get your emotions in it. It's painful, but prepare. And every day that I'm an actor and I'm going to these auditions and getting rejected, that I'm going on stage, getting booed, you know, it's, that's what I have to do, mm -hmm. you know, to be, I got to prepare because I know for a fact, only thing that's going to make this go away is success and love and warmth. And you can't have love and warmth by, you know, not being creative and not following what you need to do by dying in a cubicle, mm -hmm. you know? So I, I gotta be a better me. And when I'm a better me, then I believe she'll come back around, but it's painful. But my father has definitely taught me how to deal with that pain and continue. Cause if he's, and he says this all the time, if it didn't hurt, then it wouldn't mean so much, but fuck her. Keep pushing. You know? <laughs> I love, I love that. I, uh, I not only can, can, can see and feel the passion that you talk about, but I love your self-awareness about this is where I am and, and this is what I need to work on and work through in order to get to where, where I, I like to be. So I think that, I think that was a really beautifully said. Thanks for sharing it. Um, well, thank you. Last thing is you mentioned forties and I'm like, I'm not in my forties yet. <laughs> I'm just not there. I got a couple more years. Um, but any, this could either be one of those advice that you just, damn, if anybody is in this, this, you know, these shoes, here's what you can or should do. Um, but say your, your 40 year old is talking to your 30 year old self. Um, what is that conversation? What advice would you give? Or just anybody right now that's like, damn, I, you know, I'm, I'm 30. I'll be 40 in 10 years. What do I have to look forward to? What, what is some information that you feel you can share that, uh, you think will probably be the most, uh, helpful? Um, Really, the most helpful that I could tell my 30-year-old self is, one, go to therapy. Talk, talk about that. Go to therapy. Love get that. that out. I go to therapy. That. Really, that's, that's the big thing. You know, like, go to therapy. Learn how to deal with it. Um, and, and another thing, I don't know, man. You know, like, it, it gets simpler. You know, it's, not, it's really not that serious. And yeah. I think that if, uh, if I weren't, so busy trying to satisfy um you know all these different people and and try to get people to like me you know and then on, no absolutely scratch it that's bullshit i wasn't in detroit isn't isn't the best place for a creative person mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm just gonna say that off top and i love the motor city i got it tattooed on my body along with the detroit lion and um, <laughs> I do. Sorry to hear yeah. that one. <laughs> oh, oh, we talked about this. Jets fan. You're, you're, you're a Jets fan. First we talked off, about this. First off. Listen. Yeah, we, we already know you jump shit, but I'm loyal. <laughs> Honestly, me loving the Detroit Lions is like it's it's an abusive. It's an abusive marriage. You it feel is. me? And I get my ass whooped every year. Mm -hmm. But, you know, when they come home, here's your slippers Daddy, no. <laughs> next year. <laughs> no. You're going to have to learn how to take a punch if you're going to be a fan for life. Yeah. <laughs> These black guys I'm walking around with. All right. Uh, so we, we we got about two minutes left. Anything yeah. you got 
uh, coming up uh, that you either want to promote or anything else left that you want to share with the people that's listening? Um, anything, uh, you know, I'm a working actor, man. I always got, I always have auditions going on. We have uh, open mics around the city of Louisville. So catch me out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm always trying to stay busy. You know, what were you going to say? I definitely like to make a trip out there. One of my, one of my goals this year is to just do more cities and states. And yeah, um, for some reason, I had this r- ridiculous, you know, false, you know, idea that I couldn't travel the country because I didn't have the, the enough resources or I didn't have enough money or this, that, and the other. And um, I've been doing so. I, I went out to Colorado kind of on a, you know, I booked one show and then I got on another show and they wasn't paying but they ended up sending me money when I got back to Iowa. And I thought that was like incredible. So um, I share that just to say, I am definitely looking to get more out there. So it'd be dope if we linked up uh, this year. Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, you know, I'm already a phone call away, cousin. You know, I love yeah, you. And um, you know, furthermore, I appreciate you sharing your platform, man. Hope it uh, goes well. Thank you. It's going good. It's uh six season over 130 episodes. I love you. I appreciate you. I'm, I'm glad that we can have not only these types of dialogues, but just kind of share them because one of the things that I, I, I miss out the most on is uh, black men relationships, you know, just having uh, the comfortability to talk about things and be open and honest and vulnerable. And you did that today. So I uh, appreciate you, bro. Um, that's what I'm here for, cousin. Anytime. All right. Anything else you got? Hey, I love you, man. Stay tuned. Hey, follow me on uh, Instagram, Arthur underscore David three. Love y'all. Gotcha. Love you. I'll put it in the link. Appreciate you. Appreciate you. All right. Peace. Peace. If you want me to read an ad for you or your business, just give me money. Okay. (laughs) I will say how great your product is. I'll call you a humanitarian. This season, I'm looking to get sponsorship, which just helps take this podcast up another level. Uh, there's a couple of different ways you can do it and a couple of different ways you can reach out to me. So you can go to my email, which is uh, uh, comedian day day, D-A-Y-D-A-Y at Gmail. Or you can reach out to me through my link tree, which is link tr.ee slash day piece comedy. Uh, anything is appreciated. Everything is appreciated. Don't forget to laugh today. Peace.